Ezekiel 28, verse 11. Ezekiel 28, verse number 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, saying to him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sittest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thy, and he's talking, of course, beyond the king of Tyrus, as you'll notice here, he's talking to the devil. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. And here he shows that the devil is musically inclined. Tablets, drums, and pipes. Verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And he was an angel. Some people say, where did the devil come from? God, why did God create the devil? Well, he didn't create him as a devil. He created him as a cherub, as a, a beautiful angel. And thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. We'll stop reading there. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege to call on your name. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to preach and for the Word of God. And I pray the Holy Spirit would enlighten us, give me understanding to rightly divide the Word of truth and the ability to bring the message in a way that will bring honor to you. You know the need of every heart, and I pray you'd meet those needs tonight. Instruct us and teach us in thy Word, in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to talk to you about beauty. Verse number 17, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Evidently, the devil was uh, very beautiful when God created him, and it caused him to fall. It contributed to his sin against God. And, and he was admired, undoubtedly, by a lot of the other angels. In fact, he was able to get a third of the angels to rebel with him against God. So it shows the ability that he had, the beauty that he had. And uh, it's amazing, uh, you know, uh, people that are, they say men are not pretty or handsome, are, are beautiful, they're handsome. And women are beautiful. Well, I think they both mean the same thing. And the Bible uses the word to describe both men and women. So I guess it's, it's, uh, it's all right to use it in that, in, for both sexes. But... Uh, anyway, those who have beauty uh, sometimes uh, are able to use it to, uh, you know, to become wealthy or to become famous. And, and uh, it, so this happened with Satan. Well, you've heard the saying, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. And there's a lot of truth to that, isn't it? What one person thinks is beautiful, another person may not think is beautiful. 
And uh, you've heard the saying, beauty is only skin deep, but ugly goes to the bone. Well, <laughs> I don't know about, uh, about all that. I guess, uh, I guess it's all this skin, skin deep, isn't it? But anyway, on a serious note, uh, God, uh, I think, uh, enjoys beauty and has created a beautiful world. And uh, the fall time with all the changing of the leaves and all is a very beautiful time of the year. And springtime is a very beautiful time of the year. And, and uh, I like flowers. I, when I was growing up, I, I thought they were in the way of mowing. And as I gotten older, I, I noticed some more. My mother loved flowers. And, uh, you know, the... Uh, different kind of flowers bloom at different times of the year. Uh, the crepe myrtle is blooming now. I have one that uh, uh, that uh, Mr. Williams gave me, and and it's very beautiful. I uh, purple is Sandy's favorite color, and uh, I don't particularly care for purple. But that particular crepe myrtle is a beautiful shade of purple. It's kind of a violet. And I thought I'd get me some more, so I bought four last year at Walmart, kind of at the end of the season, set them out, and, and they're purple, but they're a different kind of purple. They're deeper, and I don't particularly like that, that shade of purple. But anyway, flowers are beautiful, and God loves beauty undoubtedly. And uh, we uh, have in the Bible uh, references to beauty, uh, there, here we have, of course, the devil, the first reference as the devil, uh, you know, possessing great beauty, and it became really the means of his fall and his sin against God. The Bible tells us, we're not going to turn all these scriptures in Job 42, 15, that the daughters of Job were fair, and that means they were beautiful. Uh, you remember how that he had, was it seven sons and three daughters, and they all got killed, and then in the end, God gave him twice, uh, in wealth, what he had to begin with after his great trial. Uh, and uh, then he gave him ten more children, seven more sons and three more daughters. And these daughters were very beautiful. In fact, they were, they were more beautiful than, uh, than any other girls in that day, in that part of the world. So the Bible makes reference to that. So that's Job 42, 15. Then one of the most amazing illustrations is in Genesis 12, verse 11 and 14. It talks about Sarah, and she was very fair or very beautiful. And the amazing thing is that she was up in years, really, at that time. The king of Egypt, uh, you know, kind of flipped over her, and, and Abraham, you remember, said, she's my sister, scared that they'd kill him for his wife, and and, of course, then the truth was discovered. But uh, evidently, she, God, when God gave them, you know, a child when she was 90, the Lord undoubtedly renewed her youth, and she was a very beautiful lady, even up in years. Now, uh, we, we all look different as, as, as we get older. I know I was over at Bill Knott's, and he has a picture sitting there on on the table, and I said, who is that? He said, that's not. And uh, I didn't even recognize, of course, it was when she was young. And, uh, and uh, I said, well, she was, she was a, a good-looking young lady. And uh, so, uh, but uh, time takes its toll, and I don't mean that in a negative sense uh, on all of us, doesn't it? But we change. We change, and, and uh, so... Sarah 
It was very beautiful. I know. I just, I just think what what's going to happen when she hears hears that. But uh, anyway, she commented that night. She says, "You're saying I'm not good looking now." So I said, "I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all." But uh, Sarah was uh, was very fair when she. Uh, uh, she was up in years, and we know that's that's not normal generally. I mean, there is a different kind of beauty, but uh, the time takes its toll on all of us. I certainly recognize that. Then we have Rachel uh, was very beautiful in Genesis 29, verse 17 and 20, and she was so beautiful that Jacob worked seven years for her, and they seemed but a few days. Evidently, he thought she was the prettiest girl that he had ever seen. And, uh, you know, probably one of the most tragic stories that's ever happened, as far as I know, is he worked seven years for Rachel and ended up with her ugly sister. Now, you think you have, you've had problems <laughs> in life, but uh, and had to work seven more years for the girl that he really wanted to start with. And, uh, but she was beautiful, the Bible says. Genesis 29, 17. Then the Bible tells us in Acts 7, verse 20, that Moses was exceeding fair. Talking about, uh, uh, about a man here. Moses was a good-looking fellow. In fact, Josephus said he was so good-looking that when he would walk down the street that the women would watch him till he got outside. He was so handsome. So he was a good-looking fella. He was, he was ha more handsome than Charlton Heston. <laughs> and uh, that, that played him, uh, you know, on the Ten Commandments. But, but anyway, Moses was exceeding fair. Then the Bible talks about David in 1 Samuel 16, 12, being of a beautiful countenance. So, so David was a handsome, beautiful young man there. And, and then, of course, Bathsheba, and you know that sad story there in 2 Samuel 11, verse 2, as David uh, looks at her bathing herself, and the Bible said she was very beautiful. And a man's attracted by his, through his eyes and what he sees, and that's why God puts down some prohibition about uh, immodest dress style, uh, you know, as far as ladies are concerned, because man's affected. That's just the facts. And David, seeing this beautiful, young, very beautiful lady, of course, caused him, doesn't excuse the sin of David at all, but it caused him to fall into sin. And the Bible said in Proverbs 6, 25, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. How does a evil woman lure a man through her eyes? You know, eyes say a lot, don't they? Uh, someone said, uh, if the mouth says one thing and the eyes say something else, believe the eyes. You can learn a lot about a person by looking into their eyes. It's kind of the gate, uh, you know, to, to, the, to the mind rid in the soul. So uh, he says, God warns us about that, about being, uh, you know, being taken in by beauty. And, of course, there seems to be, uh, you know, a, a effort in our day to try to, to lure men. And, you know, many people wonder why, uh, why they have problems in their marriage. 
And a lot of it is because they married for lust and the man was attracted through lust, not through love. There was a, a display of the flesh and they end up with the wrong man. God said, don't lust after her beauty. Now Esther, in Esther 2 verse 7, was fair and beautiful. You remember the story there in the, the wonderful book of Esther and how she was saved the, her people, Israel, there from, from uh, death. But she was a very beautiful, beautiful Jewish girl. Well, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 31 verse 30 that beauty is vain. Nothing wrong with beauty, but uh, there's not anything particularly gained by being beautiful. And there's a lot of emphasis in our day placed upon the flesh and, and certainly nothing wrong with trying to, uh, you know, be presentable and look presentable and whatever. But there seems to be people are, are so absorbed with it. I think of all the, uh, you know, exercise. The Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little. It's a multi-million, probably billion dollar business. And we, none of us probably get the exercise that we ought to. Uh, some of you may, but uh, a person said, well, where I work, boy, they work me hard and I get a lot of exercise. But, you know, you can do that, but you kind of exercise the same muscles over and over. And you get out and do something different. You get sore showing those muscles haven't been used in a while. But, but anyway, all that effort is, is, is all right, but it profits little. Beauty is vain. Well, what, what is beauty, really? Salvation makes beautiful. Psalm 149, verse 4, For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. I'll tell you, you take an old a drunk or a harlot or whatever, and, and, and they get saved by the grace of God, and, and uh, you know, they're, they're a different person, aren't they? I mean, their countenance is changed. Uh, they have a different outlook on life. Uh, it makes them beautiful, and God can do that. I've seen people get saved and, and uh, you know, they'd, they'd clean up and, and, uh, and get a Bible and go to church and people say, who is that? Say, that's so-and-so. Man, you're kidding. <laughs> Boy, they sure look different. Well, certainly, I'll tell you, they got saved. They got Jesus in their heart. And I don't believe we're saved by outward, by outward appearance, but I believe when Jesus gets in your heart, it affects your outward appearance. You want to honor Christ by the way you look. And, and salvation makes a person beautiful, the Bible said. Well, sin destroys beauty. You know, when Lucifer fell, he, he lost his beauty, didn't he? And uh, you have, I think, a reference in the book of Job to uh, a, a picture there of, of the devil in, after his rebellion against God. Uh, but sin will do that. Sin will destroy beauty. I think of young ladies that, that have been very beautiful and yet they, they get involved in immorality and an immoral lifestyle and after a, a few short years, you know, their beauty is destroyed. I've seen people in their 30s that look like they were in their 60s because they followed the path of drinking and strong drink and sin and, and, and immorality and it'll destroy you. It wrecks a person's life, destroys their beauty. Well, let's, let's go to Isaiah 
a little bit here. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 and uh, verse 1, page 760. Isaiah 53, verse 1, Who hath believed our report, to whom uh, is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no, he's talking about Jesus here, he hath no form nor comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now because of this, uh, some people believe that Jesus was ugly. I don't think that's what this is teaching, that Jesus was an ugly man. But I, he's talking about he's talking about Calvary. He's talking about the crucifixion. Look back in verse 14 of chapter 52. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. When they got through beating the face of Jesus and giving, beating him with a scourge, when they got through all that, he was, he was not beautiful. There was nothing beautiful. There's nothing beautiful about Calvary as far as the outward appearance. And I think that's what he has in mind. When we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him and he, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Notice that verse begins with all and ends with all and talks about the sorrow and the grief and the sin and the judgment that Jesus took. You know, uh, they say that hard work won't kill you. Know what's, you know what's causing a lot of our health problems? It's not work, it's worry. And it's amazing. You know, do you notice when a person becomes president, the change that takes place in, with all that re tremendous responsibility that they have, all that pressure, it takes its toll over a few years. And, and, a, and a, lot of, a lot of sorrow and a lot of worry and a lot of heartache will age you quicker than work. And uh, here Jesus bore our sorrows and bore our grief. And there was no beauty that, uh, that we should desire him. But thank God he was willing to go through that and be marred and be, be tortured that you and I one day could have a beautiful, glorified body. Do you realize everybody's going to be beautiful in heaven? I believe that. I think we will retain our individuality. Some people say everybody's going to look exactly the same. I don't believe that. I don't find that in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, I'd like for someone to show me. The uh, Bible said, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But 1 Corinthians 15, I think, teaches the individuality. That we'll retain our uniqueness, but we'll be glorified. Just like you take a high school picture out and look at it, and you say, who was that? <laughs> and you realize that was you at one time. And the, the, the changes. So you, you take that young picture, and you're going you're gonna to look better than that. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Amen. Well, I'm glad. 
And like one preacher said, the Lord has to have a sense of humor so that he made the monkey and the baboon and some of you. <laughs> or all of us, I guess we should say. Well, salvation makes beautiful. Sanctification makes beautiful. Psalm 110, verse 11, he talks about the beauties of holiness. Psalm 96, 9, I worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Psalm 29, 2, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Sanctification. What sanctification means? It means to be set apart. And it's something that happens when you get saved. There is a, a primary sanctification that takes place when you get saved. I was listening to the radio the other day. I was driving somewhere, maybe coming from Sanders or driving down there or something. And, and this fellow was talking about sanctification. And he was teaching sanctification as a separate act of grace. He said, now, some of you have been saved for years and you've never been sanctified yet. And he went on and talked about uh, how, that, how that a person needs to be sanctified if they, you know, uh, as a, another, another act. To be saved was not enough. That isn't sufficient to get you in. You have to be sanctified. Well, you know, there's a confusion of the sanctification that sets us apart as belonging to Christ. And then there's a progressive sanctification that, that is a continuous matter that we ought to become more like Jesus every day. You know, when you, uh, after coming to church today, you ought to have learned something that will affect your life and affect your testimony and affect you in this life. You ought to be a little more sanctified. After the Bible said, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. How do you get sanctified? Through the word of God. Through the word of God. And ignorance is no excuse. <laughs> you realize that's, that's part of our law. Uh, and we have so many laws. Who, who in the world could, could keep up with all of them? I think probably the best thing could happen in this country is send Congress home for several years. We have, we have more laws now than we need. Laws for everything. But ignorance of the law, you, you, they stop you for breaking a law and you go to court, you say, I didn't know, I, didn't, I never heard tell that law. That won't get you off. It's too bad. It's your responsibility to find out. Well, uh, we have a responsibility to God certainly to, to know the word of God. Matthew 23, 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones that have all uncleanness. Now, that's pretty strong preaching. That's Jesus preaching. People say, you're a pretty tough preacher. Well, uh, you know, that's pretty tough. Jesus says, you're like, you're like a grave. And, and in Israel, of course, they, they had the tomb and and, uh, you know, uh, it was built on top of the ground, out of concrete. And, uh, and uh, they're beautiful. Uh, the, the, the tombs there are beautiful. They, they, uh, uh, they're white and, and painted, and, and they were in Jesus' time. He said, it looks good outside. He got, got all this beautiful white, but he said inside there's the rottenness and decay. And he compared the religious crowd of that day to, to, uh, to what is sepulcher. Well, we need to be, we need to be uh, 
inside what we appear to be outside. I remember hearing a preacher say one time, he said, I want to be out, I want to be inwardly what I appear to be outwardly. And God knows, doesn't he? God knows if we're real or if we just play in the game. Sanctification makes beautiful. A person saved and loves God and wants to live for Jesus and live pure and clean. I think they're a beautiful person. They may not be very beautiful as far as outward looks. I've seen, I've seen some people and they never win a beauty contest, but they were beautiful people because they were saved and they loved Jesus. And, and uh, they, wanted, they wanted to be pure in, in, in spirit and in, in, in outwardly as well. They, they wanted want to live for Jesus Christ. Uh, beautiful people. Salve sanctification makes beautiful. I worry any of you saw Dr. Kennedy. And he, he was, I just called. I didn't get all of it. I, he was taught, they had this young lady. She appeared to be maybe in her 20s or 30s. I'm not a very good judge of age, you know. I tell people I'm 39 again. But uh, uh, this, this, this young lady, uh, you know, they, her mother was, from the story I remember, was kind of forced into an abortion. And they used the saline, which is they inject salt, salt water, I think it is, saline, that's salt, isn't it? And it literally, the baby breathes or, you know, ingests that saline solution. And it literally just cooks and fries the, you know, the little baby. I've seen some horrible pictures of that. But anyway, she was, when, when, they, when, they, when she was born, it results in a premature birth. And she was alive. And said the abortionist that usually was on call was not there. And so they rushed her to the hospital or uh, to the, maybe they were in the hospital, but anyway, to make a long story short, she lived. And uh, foster parents took care of her and then she was adopted. And she's going around all around the country telling her story. I'm, I'm alive and I'm saved and I love Jesus. And uh, it was a miracle that she even got a chance to live. How can we live in a society that doesn't realize that's wrong? You know, what's, what's wrong with a country that thinks it's all right to take a little baby, a little premature baby, out in pieces and lay the pieces of the little baby out on the table there to make sure they have everything? And here you have the arms and the legs and the head and it's all just separated in little pieces. You've seen some of those horrible pictures. Now, you know... What's, what's wrong with, with a country that cannot see anything wrong with that? We're in trouble, aren't we? Sanctification makes beautiful. I mean, that young lady is a very beautiful young lady. And I think she had, uh, uh, I think they said she had cerebral policy. And, uh, uh, but is, is, is alive. And, uh, Brother Bill's telling me about Preacher Ring there. He didn't have cerebral palsy. And God's using him in a, in a tremendous way. When many, many people to Jesus. You know, there's people saying, well, he didn't, have a, he didn't have a right to live. Why not? Well, sanctification makes beautiful. I believe that. Then service makes beautiful. 
Proverbs 31, 30, favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Now that's the most important thing is loving God, serving God. Romans 10, 15, how beautiful the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, they may not be anything beautiful about me, but the Bible says my feet are beautiful. Now, I'm not going to take my shoes off and show you, because if I did, you'd say, ooh, how ugly. <laughs> or you may say, shoo. <laughs> you know why they're called shoes, don't you? Now? <laughs> but, uh, but the Bible does say, and of course, he's not talking you know, about the about the actual feet there. I think he's talking about the, the, the fact you carry the message. And, and it's a beautiful thing because we have good news to bring. And it is good news. I mean, you go tell someone, uh, you know, I've never had one person yet in all these years after they get saved regret it and say, you know, I wish I, I wish you had never come my way. I wish, I wish you had never told me about Jesus. I'm, I'm sorry I ever got saved. Nobody ever says that. But I've had many say, I thank you for coming and telling me about Jesus. And now I can go to heaven instead of hell. Well, that's good news, isn't it? It's good news. And uh, he has the idea of people that are bringing good news, the gospel of peace, and gospel means good news. And they bring glad tidings of good things. Well, chapter 52 here in Isaiah, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. He looks forward to the millennial reign there. Has a prophetic message. But, you know, that's over in the New Testament. You wonder why you have so many scriptures in the New Testament that are taken from the Old Testament. Well, they, in the New Testament times, that's what they preach. They preach from the Old Testament. And the Old Testament and the New Testament complement each other. They don't contradict each other. They complement each other. And service makes beautiful. I believe that. Okay, let's bow our heads, please.